You're listening to Outlandish Outcasts at outlandishoutcasts.com. Welcome to Outlandish Outcasts. I'm your host, Al. With me, as always, the getting a little annoying, Desi. Hi, (laughs) how's your day going? She will never let me just start a show. No, She's I won't. She's always got to make a funny noise or <laughs> laugh or, you know, something. I have to because you're ready to and I'm over here looking like I haven't, I can't see you, but in the corner of my eye, I can see you just like your your body language says it all. Mm. So I'm just like. <clears throat> <laughs> funny, funny, funny. Is that what I really want to go with for the ending? I have no idea. No, that's what I said, though. Oh, it is. When you were preparing, I'm like, do I really want to end with that? I think so. And you could just see your body language like, are you serious? (laughs) 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 I'm so hilarious. Funny, funny, funny. He doesn't think so, but it is. If you saw it, you would think so. Yeah. I'm funny. Anyway, I am going to kick it off today. You're going to kick it off? an unsolved mystery i kind of like unsolved mysteries i'm on top of them all the time reading about them all the time i found this one kind of strange there's something strange in the neighborhood who are you gonna call ghostbusters i am going to talk is this a ghost story no (laughs) this is a story of dorothy cooper forstein 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 yeah uh, she's a happy married, happily married, well-off mother with three young children. Uh, Is she really happy? I who knows? My, uh, not anymore. I'll guarantee you that. Myra okay. and Marcy, and then her husband Jules had a baby from a previous marriage as well. That was or Myra and Marcy were from a previous marriage. Her husband Edward had a baby. Her husband and her also had a baby. Do you want to start over? No, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> Um, this story starts in 1945. Okay. Uh, January 25th, 1945, Dorothy dropped her children off at a neighbor's house so she could do some shopping. Uh, she joked with the butcher, chatted with friends, and went about her errands. The butcher chatted with friends? Chatted with friends. Oh, okay. By the time she returned home, it was (laughs) nearly dark. She entered the house and was attacked. Ooh. Beaten unconscious. Ooh. Yeah. Um, she was struck. Oh, she was struck. She knocked the telephone off its base, and the operator heard the commotion and alerted the police. Those operators back in those days. Back were, in those days, yep. Were the gossip queens. Uh, Dorothy Hopefully w- it wasn't Chad with friends. Dorothy was found concussed <laughs> with a broken nose and jaw. Oof. Her shoulder had been fractured. Uh, she was rus- rushed to the hospital, and when she woke, uh, she could only weakly explain that someone jumped out at me. I couldn't see who it was. He just hit me and hit me. It was her husband. Why? <laughs> because back in those days, it's people possible, didn't admit to abuse. Anyway, uh, later that day, her neighbor said that she had seen Dorothy return home and that somebody was right behind her. 
um, as she made her way through the shadows up to her front door, it was getting really dark, and her neighbor, uh, Maria Townley, admitted that she didn't look closely at the man who was behind her, said it was a safe neighborhood, and she never imagined that Dorothy would be in trouble. Uh, investigators believe that the attack was an attempted murder, and Ooh. Captain James A. Kelly of the Philadelphia Homicide Division concluded that it could only have been someone trying to kill Dorothy. Now, that's sad, you know, go through something like that. That's kind of scary. Following that attack... You'd think, yeah. Dorothy became rather paranoid. Obviously. Obviously. She's constantly on her guard, looking at looking for it's the next time she's going to get assaulted. PTSD. Yeah. Classic locking, sign. Locking doors and windows, afraid to venture out in the dark. Then four years after that attack, on October 18th, 1849... Um, her husband was away from home for the evening. He very seldomly left the house at this point because he didn't like leaving her home alone with the kids and like didn't <laughs> she feel probably safe. didn't want him to leave the but house. He left the house uh, for the night. Um, he he left his office. He called his wife to check on her, explaining that he didn't plan to come home too late. Uh, Dorothy replied that everything was fine at home, and she joked with him for a moment. Uh, finally, seeming more like her old self, she said, be sure to miss me, as she uh, reportedly hung up the phone. Uh, Dorothy and the two younger kids spent the evening at home, and around 9 p.m., she phoned a friend to arrange two of them to take a shopping trip the next day. Uh, Jules, returned ho- Jules, her husband, returned home at 11.30 p.m. He found young Edward, their youngest, and Marcy, their second youngest, in their bedroom crying, saying, Mommy's gone. Oh, my God. Uh, he was surprised that she would have left the children home by themselves. Um, he assumed that she had gone over to see some friends or some neighbors, so he telephoned people for several hours. Nobody'd seen her. Finally, he called Captain Kelly of the police department, and uh, a detective soon started checking in on hospitals and morgues and hotels all over Philadelphia. Police went door to door around the neighborhood. Nobody had seen anything unusual. Officers searched the house for evidence where they discovered Dorothy's purse, her keys, all her valuables are still there. Nothing in the house was amiss. The front door was locked when Jules returned home. And then nine-year-old Marcy Forstein, their nine-year-old daughter, told police that she was woken up by the sound of somebody entering the house. When she went out in the hallway to investigate, she saw a man coming up the stairs that she did not recognize. Her mother was lying face down on her bedroom floor. He saw the man pick her mother up, carried her downstairs. Marcy asked the man, what are you doing? The man replied, go back to sleep, little one. Your mother's all right. He patted Marcy on the head, walked down, uh. walked out with Dorothy's limp body over his shoulder. She told police that her father returned the house a short time later. How sad extremely sad this case has never been solved could you imagine being that child and then growing up and like ah yeah that is crazy that child i can guarantee grew up thinking i could have done something mm -hmm. now funny i mean you mentioned this in the beginning i i'm not sure the husband wasn't involved even though they seem to have a happily marriage and blah 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 but somebody came into the house, took her, left the house, and locked the door on their way out. Like, I'm not saying it was him. Obviously, it wasn't him that did it because the child would have recognized him for sure. It's his her father. 
It wouldn't have been somebody she didn't recognize. But I'm not so sure it wasn't somebody that he knew. Or maybe it was a neighbor just waiting. I mean, it could be. It could be. But like, could you imagine to go through, first you go through this assault that nobody gets caught for four years ago. And then all of a sudden, four years later, you disappear. And your kids, one of your kids sees you basically getting abducted out of the house. It's freaking crazy. It's just sad that the child wasn't able to identify who it was. I agree. I agree. It That's took, sad. Uh, it took till in 1957, uh, the local judge finally pronounced her dead. Um, that way the family could at least collect the life insurance. That, but uh, that was she, she really did, dead or well, not unconscious? Nobody, nobody or, knows. Nobody I mean, ever saw her again. So she didn't die at the scene? No, I'm guessing. I mean, but there is no there blood. Was no, there was no evidence of her dying at the scene. It wasn't a robbery. Nothing disappeared again. Like, so, so maybe she robbery. wanted to escape her family life because you know what happened in my family it's history tree? It's possible. She could have wanted to escape. That's possible. My I've done stories great before. Grandma take off. left her 13 children, mm-hmm. 16 children, behind and took off to California with a guy, mm-hmm. never to have I been mean, it seen have been. or she... heard again. And if it wasn't for the internet and the findagrave.com, mm-hmm. Nobody would have ever known what happened to her, but she took off. It's very possible she could have been just like, you know, I want to start over. I want a new life, so I'm going to, you know, make this situation look like somebody took me. I'm not a horrible, horrible person. Yep, could be. Who knows? That's crazy. Who knows? And being that it happened in, you know, the late 40s, I'm sure we will never know the answer We will never know. Never know. I mean, the children are probably no longer alive yeah, if not. not if not in if their they are they're 80s, extremely 90s old, yeah. yeah that's so sad it is, it is it's really sad sad but i just thought it was like really weird just the whole story about you know the, the initial attack and then an abduction and like do you know how many things happen nowadays that we hear about because of social media if there would have been social media back in the oh, day, you'd, you'd, the world would have oh, been, been just different. as yep. messed up. Oh, of course. Of course. It might have been more more messed up. I mean, crime was worse then than it is now. There was a lot more crime than it, than there is now. It just wasn't reported like it is now. Or like, we didn't hear about it yeah, because people didn't hear about it. things were not broadcasted yep. or on social media like yep. it is yeah, now. completely different world now. Even though it seems more messed up now. The one thing in life we can always reassure about, reassure on, is change. Yep. Mwah. Okay. So maybe mine will be a little bit more uplifting. Maybe. It was so sad. Yeah, sorry. It's whatever. You're not sorry. Sorry, sorry. Okay. So now blood donors can get a text message when they save lives. Really? Yeah. That's kind of cool. So this is actually printed in 2015. I just want to throw that out there. Okay. And this is from Sweden. So in Sweden, a simple text message is moving blood donations from an activity of a generous generous to a social media worthy event. So I guess in Sweden, when you donate blood and actually it saves somebody's lives, you get a text get message. A that's, that's cool. That's cool. Letting somebody know. And it mainly started because 
they were not getting as much blood as mm-hmm. they needed. So I can see it how was, this could be uh, a really good PR campaign to like get people to spread it themselves, get people to post, hey, look what I did, you know? Yep. And then somebody sees it and goes, hey, I want to do that, you uh-huh. know? Yeah, for sure. Or just the whole feel good yeah. moment of, I just saved somebody's life. <laughs> of course. So um, they also have a text program, also includes a nag me until I become a blood donor option, which you actually sign up for. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you're just getting um because you have not donated no, you, blood you, or you, anything you get like because that. Because you've asked for these text messages. And you want to so. do it. You just have no ambition to get there. Yep. You don't have the time or can't seem to find the time or whatever that's, the excuse really is. Good, really good idea on how to get, uh, I think how to get it more is. blood. But the funny thing is, is it's, it seems like it started there. But apparently, the U.S. since then, mm-hmm. which I didn't know because I've been donate, I've donated mm-hmm. blood. Um, they offer to track blood donations, and I'm sure it's different because of HIPAA here. I, yeah, I don't yeah. know if they have HIPAA in Sweden or not. Um, different countries, different laws. Yeah, going to be different. Um, but if you go to the American Red Cross, you can get the blood donor app. Hmm. Uh, to tra- track the jur- journey of the donation. So cool. you will know what hospital it ends up in. I don't know if you get something stating that it was somebody used. received it or not. I'm assuming it's going to be used. Oh, yeah, probably. But I thought that was kind of cool that cool. we actually have that here, too. I like that. So... I definitely want to get that app and check it out and maybe it'll even motivate me to go donate more blood because the last time I donated blood was through work at a place I no longer work at Mm -hmm. and I donated because it was there. It was right there. Yeah. And convenient for me. So now it's no longer convenient. I'm at a place that does not Mm -hmm. do that and it would be nice even though it's only 10 minutes for me to the closest Mm-hmm. center to go donate but i have to schedule a time mm-hmm. figure out a time when you're free and the kids don't have their sports after school activities going mm-hmm. on and yeah. it's hard yeah well, that's a that's a really cool idea i really like that whole i like it because it's like idea. it would be that internal feel-good moment mm-hmm. of i just saved somebody's life yeah of course so because that's what the blood donations is for yep, it is to save somebody's life so so definitely i don't care what country you're in take a look to see if they have any of those apps where you can track your blood that's cool 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 i bet dracula's got that app it should have been a halloween thing <laughs> instead it's gonna be a thanksgiving thing <laughs> oh funny 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 Wrong holiday. <sighs> my next story. Dun, dun, dun. From New Zealand. <gasps> oh my God, I have one from New Zealand. Oh my God. Is yours new? Yeah, it's a current and it's my last one. Does it have to do with a message? No, I don't In have a, a bottle? No. no oh, thank God. No message in a bottle. Woo! Very current, very new, <laughs> but no message in a bottle. Mine's more Australia, but it's New Zealand. Okay, this well, is actually, New Zealand. it's New Zealand, and it, there's a little bit of... Anyways. Anyway, uh, Colin and Donna Craig Brown. That is this couple's name. Those are name. not... Mine has a P in it. This is this couple's <laughs> name. 
<laughs> they were weeding their garden. Weeding the garden. Weeding their garden. Colin's hoe struck something huge just beneath the soil. Okay. Uh, the couple knelt down, began digging around the object. Colin wondered if it was some kind of fungal growth or a giant puffball. It was a skull. He pried at it oh. with his garden fork. He scratched away a bit of the skin. He tasted it. Skin? It was a potato. Oh, thank God. <laughs> it was what is currently the world's largest potato. Oh, that's not that big. Pumpkins are bigger. Than it is that. the world's largest potato. Yeah. Almost twice as large eh. as the one before it. So it was kind of cool. Um, I bet I could grow the largest potato. This potato weighed 7.9 kilograms, which is about 17 and a half pounds. And that's all like kitty wampus. And no, it's stuff. ugly. It is I an ugly get, potato. I could get a perfect round it is an one ugly bigger than that. They figure it was actually growing there for multiple years Clearly. to get to that size, obviously. Um, I'm going to grow one right in our basement. Yeah, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I've always said I wanted to start starters in our basement. They started a Facebook page for their potato. They named him Doug. Oh, my God. Because, you know, he was dug up out of the ground. Oh, uh, so, they named the potato so bad. Doug. They had uh, his official weight came in at 17.8 kilograms. The largest, um, the Guinness Book of World Records has the heaviest potato in 2011 being five kilograms. So this one's quite wow. a bit bigger. They haven't heard, they've con tried to reach out and contact Guinness. They haven't heard back from them yet. But I'm guessing eventually when they do, they will be in the book and hold the record for the largest That's potato. crazy. Um, they have had a problem with it rotting a little bit because they've, <laughs> they've been taking it around to parades and festivals and now it's a Facebook oh, page. Oh, boy. So they've tried to preserve it and they've now froze it in a freezer. Um, but yeah, it, they... Th and and um, Colin said he might not be done with Doug yet. He is an am amateur brewer, so he'd like to turn him into a... a um, potato vodka is what he'd like to do with the potato. Isn't eventually. that kind of what they do in Russia? They, they do, but this is New Zealand, and it's the world's largest potato, and his name is Doug. 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 I thought that was kind of funny. That is funny. So my next one is a feeler. Uh-oh. It's a love story. Mm. And it has to do with Cleopatra. I did a love story last week. It was great, you know. The and Mark Anthony, and the singer, and the, the wife tried to off the husband with a hitman. Oh it was Jesus! Great. <laughs> no, uh, this has to do with Mark Anthony before J Lo took him away from Cleo. Okay. 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 So, have you ever heard of Cleopatra's yes. Island? Yes. Cleopatra's Island. Maybe. Maybe not. Okay. I know you've heard of Cleopatra. Yeah, we all have heard of her. And if you haven't, get out of your hole. Because. <laughs> okay. So according to history, Cleopatra's Island was once the meeting place of Queen Cleopatra and her lover, Mark Anthony. Okay. Cleopatra is said to have ordered shiploads of white sand to be brought to her to be brought from Egypt to create her own secret paradise. Hmm. So about 12 kilometers from Marmis, I'm saying that wrong, it's in Turkey, is Galabalo Bay, 
uh, surrounded by mountains covered with uh, pine forest. Okay. From the beach, a traditional Turkish wooden motorboat will glide you through the peaceful turquoise waters um, to T- Cleopatra's Island. Huh. So after a short uh, work through rocky olive groves, which I think it would be kind of cool to see olive trees. That would be kind of cool. I've never seen them. I mean, that's obviously, I mean, obviously there's a lot of them in that area. We're in the Mediterranean where mm-hmm. there's a lot of them. Um, you reach a sandy beach that is actually made up of millions of tiny, perfectly round, empty seashells resembling pearly sand uh, that has taken millions of years of accumu- to accumulate, which reminds Makes me of me when we were in Maine. This summer in Maine, where it was all the seashells, and you could see the seashells, but you know it's going to eventually be sand. Yeah, but it was like they were every. I mean, you were literally that's pictures. all you were walking on. It was crazy. Maybe we should post a picture of those. Crazy. Uh, because of the formation of the sand, it takes an extremely long time. A uh, great effort is made to conserve the beach and is therefore prohibited to take towels onto the sand itself nowadays. Hmm. Um, it is said that uh, sufferers of rheumatoid... Rheumatoid arthritis? Align- alignments, hmm. but rheumatoid, rheumatoid, the same word. Alignments find that lying on the sand significantly eases their compliance i need to go to a beach i guess we need to go to that beach we need to go to turkey not that one we just any beach i'm assuming you gotta go to this special beach in turkey same temperatures as mediterranean cool to go to turkey i think it would be cool to go to turkey without the kids yeah i don't want to bring the kids no because you know what they do the whole time complain yes yeah i don't want to hear it especially if i'm (laughs) paying for plane tickets over there um, and then we could go to the the little. Remember, I did the story about the little pools with the salt and yeah. the. Yes, we could go do that. Um, so you can follow this stony path from the beach to a well-preserved ruins, um, on the island. And there's a bunch of other stuff you can do, but history states that Mark Anthony shipped this. Sand okay. from Egypt, from Egypt to he- this island because okay. it was, you know. So whenever you're like, I wonder what I could do that Desi might like. Just bring a bunch of sand. And create a beach mm. like that. I'll just have somebody write. Thousands. It. I'll just have somebody write it in a history book. It doesn't have to have to have to happen. No, Alan. <laughs> and this beach is beautiful. I'm like, sure it is. It's I'm like sure the it Caribbean, where it has a greenish, bluish. Yeah. It's the Mediterranean. And it's a beautiful. People talk about area. how the sand is like clouds, and the towels are prohibited because there are really not that many seashells to continuously keep the sand. Mm-hmm. going like that because it was brought in it yeah brought in. so it was like walking on clouds is what they have said i, I i'm sure it is so you know I'm if sure you ever is. think about this romantic gesture you ever want to do for me think about all of these ships of sands that okay. had to be brought in you know back in the egyptian time when cleopatra was alive i'll get right on that okay 
you know, right on same there. era where gonna, the pyramids were I'll bring built. them into the house one shoe at a time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not talking to you anymore. Okay, so... My okay, so quick to move on. Yes, quick to move on. My last story. This has been like in my queue to do for a long time. And today just seemed to happen to be a good time to do it. Okay. So it doesn't really have anything to do with today. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Um, what I'm going to do scissors. is I'm going to talk about something. Okay. And the thing I'm going to talk about had a slogan when it first came out. Okay. A lot of things have slogans. I'm going to see if you can guess what, what I'm going to talk okay. about by telling you what the slogan I is. I like guessing. The slogan was... The greatest step forward in the baking industry since bread was wrapped. Since bread was wrapped? Yep. S- say it one more time again. The greatest step forward in the baking industry since bread was wrapped. Cake. No, sliced bread. But <laughs> bread was wrapped after... Sl- no, it was wrapped for years before it was ever oh, sliced. Oh, bullshit. Years Wonder before bread? it Is ever this sliced. Wonder Bread? No, it's just sliced bread. The oh, history Jesus of Christ. sliced bread. It's as good as sliced bread. Yes. Oh. <laughs> this is the history of sliced bread. Jeez. Jeez Louise. So Stupid. Bread was originally sliced, and we're talking mechanically sliced. I'm not talking about with a knife. I'm talking mechanically sliced and packaged. Um. You know there were not people slicing bread and then they were bringing it to the grocery no. stores. That did not happen. Otto Fred- Frederick Rawelder. Rawel- Although homemade bread is better. He was the person who invented the first loaf bread slicing machine. He built his prototype in 1912, but he did not get it actually a working unit in a factory until 1928. In uh, 1928, the uh, first commercial use of the machine was used by the Chicotle baking company of chicotle missouri they sold their first slices on july 7th 1928 the product clean made sliced bread proved to be a success so it wasn't wonder bread it was not wonder bullshit bread it was clean made sliced bread is that what they called it no what do you mean is that what they called it packaged it as and yes. sold it in stores yes that's what it was packaged as and weird sold um and Clean is spelled with a K, K L E E N. Okay. Anyway, I thought it was kind of cool that, of course, there was some effects of all of a sudden having sliced bread. People ate more bread. Of course, because it was easier to eat. People ate more jam. You know, things like that. A lot of things like that sold a lot more because, you know, all of a sudden bread was sliced. Well, we just made a ton of zucchini bread and it didn't go as fast. You want to know why? It wasn't sliced. It wasn't sliced. And yeah. You know, in 1943, the U.S. banned sliced bread. What? Due to the war, due to World War II, World War, World war II, it was a cutback for World War II. We banned sliced bread in this country to preserve bread because there wasn't enough people to work in the factories to make the bread. So, so people wouldn't eat as much of it. They banned sliced bread. Number one, so people wouldn't eat as much. Number two, so it would last longer because unsliced bread lasts a lot longer than sliced bread. Of does. course it does because it doesn't mold and yeah. the air doesn't flow so through. So it was only banned for about six okay. months. But for about six months, we banned the sale of sliced bread. That's crazy because they were rationing. Yeah. Uh, sliced bread around the world is a lot, you know, a lot different. Wherever you know, Different places slice their bread differently wherever you go. Um, in the UK and England, they have actually four slice, four kind of standard slices. It's an extra thick, thick, medium, or thin. 
Um, oh, we have regular in Texas toast. That's what we have regular in Texas well, toast. Well, now yeah. we have thin bread. We do, we do. We never had thin bread prior um, to a few years. In Ireland, the most popular bread type is called sliced pan. It's sold in a 800 or 400 pan. gram loaves wrapped in wax paper. That's weird. Um, in Japan... You don't even have pictures, I do don't, you? I don't. In Japan... Um, it is labeled by the number of slices in the package, usually four, five, six, or seven. That's how bread is sold in Japan. Four, five, six, or seven? Slices in a package. Yep. Weird. Um, uh, what was I going to say? Uh, in Australia, most bread slices are about 18 millimeters thick, which is about the same as what we have for a typical uh, regular toast okay. slice of bread. Um, but they also have what's known as their sandwich slices, which are half as thick as their That's our thin slices. bread. Yeah. So I just thought it was really cool. Like bread is something I don't think about a lot, but you always hear the idiom, you know, the best thing since sliced bread, blah, blah, blah. So when I was and then reading I about think sliced bread, when I was reading about sliced bread, and I thought, and I found out that there was actually it was advertised as the best thing since wrapped bread. I'm like, well, that's kind of funny. And then you can take the bread and dry it out for Thanksgiving stuffing. You can. You can. Mm-hmm. I like Thanksgiving mm, stuff. I love stuffing, especially the homemade stuff. Stuffing is good. Mm, stuffing. Did I have another story? You should have another story. Oh, so we're waiting on me to stop thinking about stuffing. Okay, so my last story is about a message from Beyond Wave. I bet this takes place around New Zealand somewhere. I bet it does. (laughs) Wow, you're so smart. I wonder where you got that from. It's like you have ESP. Yeah. Okay, so a message in a bottle discovered floating on a beach 76 years after it was thrown into the ocean has led to more discoveries. Cool. So a family in Australia, a family, an Australian family, let's start there, Uh, we're in disbelief when they, but very excited when a New Zealand family came across a bottle on 19 Mile Beach in November. So Jeff Flood made, is it Geoff? Jeff. Yeah, that's Jeff. Flood made the find and was shocked to discover how old the bottle and the enclosed note were. So on a special stamp stationery marked P-N-O. Piano? uh, (laughs) It's an and sign. Oh. P and sign O. Okay. Completed with a picture of a ship, the SS Strathnaver. Okay. Uh, the handwritten note dated March 17th. Funny, it's my grandpa's birthday of 1936. He was born in 32, though. Uh, read at sea. Would the finder of the bottle kindly forward this note where found date and unmentioned address? which we actually have the address. It was stein, signed H.E. Hillbrick, 72 Richard Street, Leaderville in Perth, uh, Western mm. Australia. Mm-hmm. So background of the ship, a little bit of it is, um, it was an ocean liner operated by P and sign O, was launched in 1931. It was a sister ship of the RMS Strathard 
And it was pair. The pair were known as White Sisters. Hmm. They both served as the Australian mail route and traveled on the Sydney run in the mid 1930s. Okay. So I'm trying to wrap my head around how this happened. Now it makes more sense. I, I was confused for a minute when you when this we were talking about this originally coming from Perth. I'm like, it's on the wrong side of the country. How did it get all the way around? But okay, they're traveling to Sydney as on a mail run. I get it. I get how it got where it got. So Bob Mason, a great grandson of Mr. Hilbrick, said the family, uh, they were thrilled about the discovery. He said his mother and uncle were very excited. He told the Herald, uh, Mum. <laughs> I always find that funny. I'm sorry. We probably have people who live in countries that say that. Okay. Mum remembers the day her grandparents left on the Strath Strathnaver. I'm saying that so wrong. Uh, even though she was only five years old, she is now in her 80s. Holy cow. So he never met his great-grandfather who died in 1941. Mr. Hilbrick's old home in Rich Street has been renovated over the years but it still stands although it is no longer in the family's keeping uh he remembers his great-grandmother ethel hilbrick as she had lived until the end of the 1970s close to the 90 like almost 90 years of age uh mr mason said that the discovery had led to uh interest in the family tree which has since led to more fascinating discoveries, of course. Yeah. Um. So keeping or Mr. Flood had kept it, kept the letter safe inside an acid-free paper, and said they were still trying to figure out what will happen to the note, and they still, um, they're still very excited for us all. And something we will all remember for a long time, which I would remember. That I would couldn't imagine. Cool My grandpa was in like the that. Navy. Could you? Ed, and he served in World War Two. Could you imagine, like me getting something? That would be crazy. from some random person. Yeah. Like, hey, and I tracked you down doing some research, and mm-hmm. this looks like it's your grandfather's that he wrote and just threw overboard yep. one day. Like that crazy. Cool. That would be cool. That would be cool. I like little little pieces of history like that are really cool. I love pieces of history like that. I'm not a big fan of history itself. I am. Some I am. history. I do like some history, but not all of it. It's kind of boring. It puts me to sleep. <laughs> anyway. I guess it would be like a soothing bedtime story. Yeah. Boring yeah. bedtime story. You can listen to us when you're going to sleep. But we're not boring i am according to you (laughs) anyway send us an email outlandishoutcasts at gmail.com otherwise you can follow us on facebook at outlandish outcast podcast definitely follow us share 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 and leave a comment you can also tweetle on twitter you know tweetle yeah whatever you can tweet us on twitter outlandish casts you need to learn ball. that song before you can do really that care. again, ever again. I can do whatever I want. Well, at least it's not going to be copyrighted because he so did it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, you can come 
Uh, follow us on Instagram at Outlandish Outcast Podcast and love, love, love us. Or you can leave us a rating or review in whatever application you're listening to the show on right now. Go do it now. Now. Right now. You're not funny. Just remind him when you leave the comments. Yes. You can remind me that I'm not funny. And I am. Okay. I am the funny one. <laughs> Don't look at me like that. Have a good week, everybody. Bye. I am the funny one. <laughs>